0: Caroline Dowd-Higgins, thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. You spend a significant portion of your life at work, so my goal is to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career. And love your life. And today I am delighted to welcome my very special guest, Ann Fishman. And welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I am really excited to dive into a juicy conversation about your new book, Marketing to the Millennial Woman, what everybody wants to know. But Anne, let me share your bio with our listening audience. Thank you. Anne Fishman is a leading expert in providing insights into the preferences, trends, and buying habits of each of America's six generations in the emerging field of generational trends. She's a recipient of four research fellowships awarded to her by the U.S. Senate Special Committee on Aging. She created the National Mentor Corps and a National Workshop on Intergenerational Issues. She authored and edited Lifelong Learning for an Aging Society and Intergenerational Mentoring. And again, her brand new book is Marketing to the Millennial Woman. So, Anne, let's dive right in. First, let's set this up for the audience. So, you're a generational expert, but help us understand, who are the millennials?
1: Uh, The millennials are young Americans who were born from 1982 to the year 2000. And the reason that everybody is so interested in them, because it's like they forgot every other generation, but the reason they're so interested in millennials in general is that there are 80 million millennials out there. That's more than there are British people or French people or Spanish people. Wow. Uh, And in women, there are 40 million millennial women, and that means there are more millennial women than there are Canadians or Australians, or North Koreans. So we do have to pay attention to this large group of women who are bigger than some countries.
0: My goodness, Anne, thank you for putting it in perspective. I had no idea about those numbers. So correct me if I'm wrong, is the millennial term only used in the U.S., or is this a phenomenon that other countries embrace as well?
1: Well, this is something that that is kind of a pet peeve of mine. People will say British millennials, or yeah, they, and when they they refer to this term, they mean people born after the year two thousand. Okay, but because generations are formed by the history that happened during a generation's formative years, you cannot say compare British millennials to American millennials to French millennials because they all had a different history. Yeah, it's it it works on history that's what makes it great but that also don't think it's worldwide Millennials thank you thank you for
0: clarifying that's very very important so and it's incredible to me that the Millennials are impacting our workplace and I understand that in 2020 they're going to be 50 percent of the American workforce so talk to me a little bit more about the millennial impact over time
1: well Caroline, they're changing everything they touch. And <laughs> it's not a bad thing to do simply because there are so many of them. Yeah. They are the 500-pound gorilla in the room in that if you have 80 million new Americans who are in the business and will be 50% of the business community by 2020, they're going to be your employees, they're going to be your market, they're going to be your boss and your manager. We have to get to know them. So across the board, I don't care. I just saw that they're adding some things to golf to make it more of a team sport because millennials are all interested in teamwork. Right Across the board, they are changing from sports to fashion to how an office is run. You have to understand about millennials and millennial women in particular. The reason I wrote this book just about the women is because these women are different from any women any group of American women we've seen in the last 100 years. So if you don't under, you cannot lump all women together. But if you can say this large group of 40 million women were raised with the same history, it doesn't mean they're all alike, but it does mean that you know what it's like to walk in their shoes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was at a conference the other day, Anne, and I heard uh, the speaker talk about Gen Z, which is coming on the tails of the millennials. So how will our millennials, who are all the buzz, work with the next generation coming of age?
1: Gen Z is, they're like little dogs, little puppies nipping at the heels of millennials (laughs) and the rest of us. They are a huge generation. They are totally different from millennials because they've had a different history during their formative years. And millennials will, be, will work great with them because this is the, millennials are the first generation in, and the last three that has been team-oriented. Right. They like to talk, they like to share, and consequently they will be wonderful mentors. They won't consider mentoring to be something they don't want to do. They will consider mentoring to be another way to communicate. So I think millennial bosses and managers will be absolutely terrific with Generation Z.
0: That's encouraging because I see mentorship as a great quality and in strong leaders. So I'm I'm encouraged. That's wonderful to hear.
1: Yeah, we may have more mentors than we have mentees, you know? <laughs> so uh, n- <laughs> maybe that
0: numerically is Gen Z close to the size of, of
1: the millennials or, or not so? Well I read something the other day that said there were about sixty million of them. Everybody has different cutoff dates, yeah. But and we don't know when that generation is going to end. I we guess. know that it begins in the year 2001, but we haven't seen the end of it yet. So for that reason, uh, I would say they would be almost as large, if not larger. So you have to be on top of Gen Z. Maybe at another time we can do something about Gen Z, but the point is, is that millennials are a large generation. They have to be respected. And Gen Z is a large generation. They have to be respected. Absolutely.
0: So, Anne, let's get to a a timely current affairs reality. We're in the midst of a... 2016 presidential election campaign, and everybody wants the millennial vote. So let's slice it a little bit and, and skew to our audience, which is women on your working life. How does the presidential candidate, whichever one, you know, anyone chooses as they're listening to the show, how do they gain the vote of millennial women?
1: Well, let me start off. I'm usually a very positive speaker, but let me start off with the negative. One of the things that you do not do in trying to attract millennial women is to appeal to gender, Mm. because this generation is almost on equal par with men, and I even hesitate to use the word almost, because they do almost everything that men can do, and the reason they don't do everything is because they don't want to, but this generation has choices. They are... Really reaping the benefits of the feminist movement, they can be stay-at-home mothers. They can be in the military. They can be Army Rangers. Uh, they just won the international soccer uh, yes. championship. Yeah. They are. They are not. They are not avoiding sports. They are actively participating in sports. So basically, millennials don't feel the need to to elect the first woman president. They look at a, this shows you how much feminism has succeeded. They look at each person as a candidate. Do you understand what I'm going through? I don't need to elect you because you're a woman. I need to find out if you can meet what I need. So it's a success story that failed with Mrs. Clinton because uh, they don't need, they're not jumping on the feminist bandwagon to support a woman. They may vote for her, but it will not be because she's a woman.
0: Well, and again, back to the context that you set up so beautifully, they grew up in a generation where equality was more consistent, right? Where the Gen Xers were really struggling for parity and equality and perhaps would have, or, or may still in this election, vote for a woman candidate because they want a woman
1: president. Well, think about it. Uh, baby boomers would, would jump on the bandwagon, Xers might or might not. They're very, um, they really examine everything they're handed. But with millennials, all they want to know is, do you understand my problems? Can you help me? This is my future I'm voting for. Do I want a socialist? Do I want a capitalist? Do I want, uh, how well is the next president going to improve my life and the life of my children? You think we would all want that, but we define, each generation defines that in a different way.
0: So, Ann, help me break it down a little bit more, because my understanding is that millennials are certainly intrigued uh, and find both Trump and Sanders as presidential candidates appealing. So help me understand that more clearly.
1: Well, without a doubt, they find those two people very appealing. And the reason is, one of their main characteristics is they love authenticity. Okay. Bernie Sanders is, had, has stated his views before he ran, while he's running, and tells you exactly what he plans to do in the future. If you like socialism, if they understand what socialism actually is, what they appreciate about Bernie Sanders, I don't think is the socialist point of view. I think they appreciate the fact the man remains true to himself. So that's what they like about Sanders is his authenticity. If you jump over to Donald Trump, I mean, you really do have a battle between the capitalist and the socialist. If you jump over to Donald Trump, Donald Trump is Donald Trump. He remains true to himself. Yeah, yeah, Whether or not we like it or don't like it or love it, this is what millennials seek out, is they seek out authenticity. I want to know what I'm getting.
0: There we go. There we go. So what about marketing to these women because they have tremendous, millennial women, they have tremendous buying power and they're incredibly tech savvy, they're confident, they're strong. You write about how they're bursting with ideas in the book and they're champion multitaskers. How do we attract them to purchase our products or our services?
1: Well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to understand them. Okay. If you, if you could not tell me five to ten things about a millennial woman or about millennials in general in the next few minutes, then you, how can you possibly work with them and sell to them and create campaigns and products for them? So I would say the first thing you need to do is learn as much as you can about millennials so that you really do understand what it is they want because they, every generation is different. The next thing I would say is that it's not, this is a digital generation. Uh, They have been in a technology revolution. So the haves and the have-nots in their case are the people that understand uh, technology and the people that don't. It's not enough just to throw up all those little symbols on your website, tweeting, uh, LinkedIn, the whole thing. You have to have a hook. You have to be creative. Remember, these are conversations you're holding with people, and therefore they have to be conversational. Someone has to want to talk to you to attach to your social media. And don't just think by throwing up the symbols, that's an automatic, yes, I'm really cool and with it. The, The social media that does great is a true conversation between millennials and the person to whom they're talking. Are you talking about things they want to hear about? Are you talking in their language? One of the reasons that Trump does so well, and I mean, people, uh, the older generations like to laugh at, at the way he tweets, but he tweets like millennials. Right. And he's made a mistake in his tweeting. Well, guess what? So have they. So consequently, they like the fact that he speaks in their language, and they know that a tweet from him is what's on his mind.
0: So that answered my next question. It need not be that they are responding to people in the same generation. It's just the same language, right? And and how can you help me?
1: Well, I think this, yes, I think it's really important to speak in a person's language. And that can go both ways. If I'm talking to a person from the silent generation, a person who's a baby boomer, a person who's Gen X, Mm -hmm. uh, you really have to speak in their language just like they have to. If you're after millennial business you better be able to talk in their language, which is 140 characters. Go over 140 characters, they begin to be bored. But if I'm a millennial and I'm trying to speak to someone who's uh, a Gen X, I know that I better be concise and give it to them straight. If I'm trying to speak to a boomer, I know that it needs to have good content in it. I know that if I'm speaking to someone from an older generation, I better learn how to write a proper letter. Yeah. And I better learn how to make a business telephone call. Mm-hmm. This is something surprisingly, this magnificently talented and occasionally irritating generation <laughs> does not know how to make a business call. Right. In fact, I had a boss say to me, I was giving a speech and a man <laughs> holds up his hand and he says, You know, I love my millennial employees, but they ask me to make the telephone calls on the landlines <laughs> because they don't know how to do it. Millennials need Uh, tutoring and mentoring in the soft skills they have because they are so tech oriented they have lost a little bit of their ability to pick up facial expressions to listen for verbal cues to read body language so consequently the best thing you can do if you're employing them is to help them sharpen up a little bit because they do want to move ahead
0: Great advice. You know, it's interesting, Anne, I often think of it in terms of attention span, and I find that in order to get a point across to a millennial, you've got to hook them, you've got to have a sticky factor, and you've got to be (laughs) succinct, right? This conference that I just attended about Gen Z mentioned that their attention span will be on or about the eight-second mark. That's incredibly fast. Are well, the millennials a little longer? Maybe 10 seconds? Well, I, I would
1: have put millennials maybe at about 10 seconds okay. and Gen Z at about five, okay. to 5 to 8. But the reason is, go look at any really good YouTube video. Yeah. It's the first two or three seconds that right. you, pulls you into that. It is the headline that pulls you into that uh, blog entry. That's what we have given them is we have given them headlines and 140 characters. So we're reaping what we've been sowing, meaning that this is your – and it's good for them because this is the world. This is their future. Now, the interesting thing is what they're doing to balance that out is they're going back to reading books, and I find that fascinating. Remember, this is the generation raised on 800-page Harry Potter books. Right. They're going back to reading books, and they're doing something called forest bathing, which is a Japanese tradition, meaning you just go out in the woods and breathe in some air and hike, because they have to have a balance, they themselves have to have a balance between technology and how do I get away from technology a little bit.
0: Yeah, and you know, that's such a good segue, because I I often coach millennials who are interviewing for job opportunities, and very authentically, they're looking for uh, careers and work environments that celebrate work-life integration. However, the language they use is "I want work-life balance," and to an older hiring manager, that can be a turnoff <laughs> and that can be a frightening aspect because they fear, a, you know, a less than dedicated work ethic. But this forest bathing concept puts it all in perspective. It really does. Well, and
1: it's a different way of working. I always say, baby boomers work hard, Gen Xers work smart, and millennials, if if you don't accommodate some of their work needs, they're going to go uh, rogue on you and become an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, so yeah. that's
1: the reason a company like LinkedIn, LinkedIn knows they want a balance between family and work. LinkedIn has a cafeteria. They let them invite their friends and family to eat free with them at the cafeteria. They know that they can get overloaded because they have so much coming in on them. They're good at Millennials are good at multitasking, but LinkedIn gives them one Friday every month to do personal projects. Yeah. So it's, it's, you don't have to be LinkedIn to give somebody a couple of hours of free time once a month. You can be a mom-and-pop store. Mm-hmm. But just to say, look, uh, this is your coffee hour. Go do whatever you want to do. Nice. This is the way to get a workforce really to love their job, to love you. You know, when they come into your store, when you're working with them, Find a way to give them a little peace and quiet from the digital world, because if you've ever sat on a plane by a millennial, what they do is they put in their earplugs, they do not talk to you on an eight-hour trip, and consequently, I used to think it was bad manners. It's not. It's their way of drawing boundaries to get a little bit of peace and quiet in a very busy digital world.
0: We can learn so much from each other, and it's just beautiful to hear these descriptions and and hear how we can relate and enjoy the differences, celebrate the differences. So, Anne, let's end before we talk about the book because it is extraordinary. I have learned so much. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. You mentioned a bit about how we can attract, motivate, and retain this extraordinary millennial talent in the workforce by creating... um, community engagement opportunities and, and environments like LinkedIn or Google that, that celebrate um, you know social aspects to, to the career world. Any other little tidbits for the Gen Xers listening and the Boomers listening that really crave this millennial talent in their workforce?
1: Well, I think you summed it up quite well when you said uh, they want a profession with a purpose. They want to know that you stand for more than the bottom line. And this generation will change the world by insisting that corporate America do something beside its work, that it has to leave a really good history behind them. But another thing you can do is to understand this is a team. They have been team-taught, team-graded, given trophies for just showing up for team sports. Right. Consequently, they think in terms of the group. That's not a bad thing because they want to, they want to promote you. They want to promote your project. They want to promote your services and your products. They want to be a part of your PR, of your product development, of your marketing. The more you can include and engage a millennial, the more likely you are to keep them because they feel like they want bragging rights. I work for company, ABC, and ABC can be, as I said, small or big, but they want a company that they want to be, they are part of the company. This is part of their brand. So every time you think about why I want to keep this millennial or I want to get this millennial, remember that they want to be included. And if you point out what you stand for, how they will be included, and how you do understand that they have needs and this company intends to, uh, just like with all generations, the, the happier the employee, the more productive the employee. So it pays to get to know, to revisit baby boomers, No one ever thinks about Gen Xers, frankly, to get to know Gen Xers to understand millennials' needs, because there's so many of them, and to get ready for Gen Z's needs.
0: And they're coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, they
0: are. Anne Fishman, so, what a joy to have you on the show. Let's talk about the book, Marketing to the Millennial Woman. It is extraordinary. I'm holding it in my hand, and I have learned so much by
1: reading it and from you today. How can we buy your book? Oh, you can find. thank you so much. You can find it on Amazon.com. And you can just type in Anne Fishman or you can type in Marketing to the Millennial Woman and it will pop right up. It's really, I made it readable. I don't like big books that I keep on the side of the bed and never read. So this one is extremely readable. And enough to get you, read it on Friday, you can put it into action on Monday.
0: I agree. I've got it dog-eared and highlighted Good. and underlined, and I keep it on my desk, and I refer to it often.
1: And Thank I, you. That's, I wanna, a, that's a real compliment. Well, I do it, appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure.
0: You, you earned it. I want to remind our listeners, too, your website is annfishman.com. You're also very active on Facebook and Twitter. And if I recall, your Twitter handle is at annfishman.
1: It is, and I try to put out at least four tweets a day on something that's relevant. I've been focusing more on millennials lately, but basically I really concentrate on all six generations. We have six living generations. So if you follow me on Twitter, if you visit the website, I try to put in blog entries from time to time on things of importance. You can kind of keep up a bit by following the blog entries, by following me on Twitter, and I'm... uh, going more into LinkedIn and to Facebook as we speak, because frankly, you can't do it all at once. I'm not a millennial. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, and I'm that's really okay. It the, yeah, yes, it's fine.
0: We, we celebrate those differences. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. If we're to get along in this multi-generational uh, global sandbox, we need to learn about each other. And you are a tremendous resource for that. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me. And it's been a joy. I wish you continued success with the book, and I hope to meet you in person someday soon.
1: I do too. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Anne. and I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. Career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. My show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Leave a comment because I always appreciate hearing from my listeners. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.